it's good to reflect on your life, especially in the new year, instead of putting these new year's resolutions. And I've had a pretty colorful existence traveling around the world, doing everything you shouldn't do. So this is a rare moment where I go a bit more personal and in depth on sort of what brought us to where we are today uh, with a good friend of mine, Oi Martin, and this was recorded three years ago. Um, and you'll see, don't judge him, not wearing a shirt and the pixelated images. It was a different time before we were into the content world. So I hope you enjoy it and I hope you take some value in understanding that, you know, we all go through ups and downs. We all make mistakes, um, but it's what you do that defines you as a person. So let's kick into it. Welcome to the NZ Guide to Financial Freedom podcast. It's run by the co-founders of a free online learning platform called moneyskills.co.nz and it has the sole mission of providing every New Zealander the opportunity to live a more fulfilling life. So let's kick into it. So, my man, <laughs> I was kind of, I swear to God, I start, the reason, one of the reasons I started this podcast and the idea of this podcast is to hear if to see if people would even care about the crazy ass conversations like the crazy ass conversations we have and had always so um to anyone listening to this uh Ryan and I met in Australia. The first time we met was funny. He was building himself a giant uh, sand dick. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, I was just coming for the help. And that was, uh, that was how we, we clicked. And actually, like to be completely honest, from then we had a crazy, crazy, crazy adventure together we've been through a lot together in this condensed time we've been together which was about um six months i think and we've uh traveled along the coast without any money and we did some crazy crazy shit together and have been in uh in touch since then which has been about five years yeah i think now and since then, Ryan, from living in a tent in uh, Cranes, Australia, uh, became t- from that to, uh, let's just say it, when he was traveling the world, he tipped his Israeli driver $600, uh, or was it? <laughs> Yeah, it was $600. Yeah. And and he was completely chill with that. So that being said, uh, that short intro I gave about you, Ryan, please give a listener something about, um, something more about you, like about your story from, uh, uh, I guess, the mindsets you came from to the, the, the really uh, resilient mindset you've developed, uh, which has, en- has enabled you amazing things uh, and got you to amazing points to where people want to mentor you just because of your uh, uh, growth mindset and wanting to learn attitude. So just give us a little 
give us a little backstory about that, and then we're gonna keep talking shit. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, this is weird dynamics talking on a podcast with someone potentially listening. It's probably just gonna be us, but dare to dream, dare to dream. So um, yeah, my my story actually starts. I'd say when I was three, my um mother and father they they broke up and um. My dad had a gambling issue and he spent all of the savings of the, um, of the family. And, um, then my mom found out and then they divorced when I was three and mom couldn't deal with it. Dad, I was in this, this crazy tough place, um, like of self hate. And then, um, she decided to leave to America, just flew when I was like four by that stage. Mm -hmm. And she went there to work with goats believe it or not <laughs> so she, she's left when um i was four and um i was staying in new zealand with dad for a while and then um the reality of it uh i started playing up you know they they, they couldn't get me to settle so they decided it'd be a good idea if i go see mom in america so one you get used to your whole family being this uh, cohesive unit then suddenly they're, they're they're broken up and then in different parts of the world so I ended up moving to America when I was a young kid. I uh, stayed there for 18 months. Actually got suspended from preschool. I don't know if we're I told in America. you that. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're in America, though. I was still in New Zealand. I was in Guthrie, Oklahoma. Oh, God damn. Oh, okay. damn. I came back with a really confused accent, and everyone looked at me like I was a different person. The, um... <laughs> Yeah, so I guess suspended from preschool. There was this little um my best mate, I threw a swing at him and caught him on the head and I uh, actually like cut his head open. It was really bad. Um so I was real rat bag when I was a little kid because there's no stability. And then um the, I remember the story like dad ended up coming all the way from New Zealand and we we're meant to pick him up at the airport, but um we forgot. <laughs> And um, he rocks up and eventually he works out where we live. He gets a taxi and then he like knocks on the window and there's this like five-year-old kid lying on a sponge bed because we hadn't furniture yet. Because goats don't pay much money, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm lying there butt naked and my dad's knocking on the window. And he's like, son, son, Ryan, he let me in. And I wake up and I look at him and I'm like, oh, hey, dad. And then let's go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you yeah. never told me this story i mean it's this you know it's an iceberg you know there's there's endless things okay, under there okay, if i can okay. remember it comes up okay okay so yeah yeah we let him in eventually it's all good so that, that sort of instability and like i guess not the the hallmark of the family you want sort of learnt you to to find something within yourself mm-hmm to find not not draw externally because the reality of the world is it is harsh it is, it is there is hardship and everyone has it and to me that ended up not being a bad thing because there were such incredible people my my dad's a very uh, like logical sharp quick-witted individual my mum's more of a down-to-earth like think of others and a sort of a hippie but mm. she has a phd in agriculture so she balances it with logic so I had those two worlds and then I, at school I was, um, I had this chip on my shoulder and I didn't realize what it was until Mum told me later on that she wanted to live her success through us. So she, um, she put 
put this sort of um, need to succeed. So if I didn't meet my, uh, my aspirations and my dreams, then I'd give in this sort of uh, self-loathing, self-hate and really critique. Like, for example, in a basketball game, say I got 30, 40 points when I was a teenager or, or 20 or whatever, and it just like great shooting. We smoked them. We did really well. And it like uh, I was captain in a, and I led the team in a good way. But if I miss, say, um, a couple, three throws, I play a full game because I don't play half-hearted. I always leave it on the floor. Um, and I would still do something called a suicide. Do you know what a suicide is? No. In basketball, it's when you run to the three-through line and back to the baseline to the halfway and then back and then to the yeah. three-through Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and you sprint it? Yeah. So after I played a full game, I'd sit there and do my three-throws and I had to get eight or out of ten or higher. And I'm tired and I miss them. And if I miss them, I do the suicide. I can't leave till I do it, finish it. So sometimes it could take two, two hours or sometimes it's 10 minutes sometimes I get it first go but it was just that regardless of um how well you did you have an expectation and the values that you hold yourself to and that comes from the independence I got from being on my own in that sense and the family not being that I guess stability that you can rely on mm. and then um after school I was like oh where do I go what do I do with life and um there's something called outward bound have you heard of that Hmm. no outward bound is a course in new zealand they start a while ago i think it was to prepare people for the navy or something initially so it's like this really intense course over three weeks it tends to test you mentally physically like um as soon as we came in they said leave your leave your bag here it was like cold like it was down south and they're like okay go for a swim so we go on this freezing cold water and then they get us to roll around in the mud and we don't know them and we're just doing what they tell us. So we're covered in mud and they say, this is the metaphoric mask you wear in life. This is the person you hold yourself to be out there, but we all know it's pretend and we don't want you to wear it here. So we washed the, the mask of the mud off and it was meant to be representation of the person we portray, but not who we are. Mm. So another like four days of the course, we climbed four mountains, walked 33 hours and ran a half marathon. And that, that's a three-week course, and that was just four days of it. <clears throat> so that, that journey of instability and then also um, finding that independence within yourself and then that challenge through the outward bound, you, you sort of learn that we all have inadequacies. The big, biggest, most powerful tool of connecting with someone or getting a mentor, as you said prior, is to actually show a part of yourself that is vulnerable but you're not dependent on them for the reaction. So you're saying, this is me. I'm letting it go. I'm respectful of how you feel and where you're at, but I want you to see that I'm being genuine. And we call it congruence, like words, thoughts, actions align. It's probably one of the most powerful tools to connect with someone. Um, I feel like I'm talking a lot, brother. Should I just keep rolling with it? Keep rolling with it, brother. Going on rant. Well, okay, well, 18 Say and that, then... Uh, what, what words again? Words? Words, thoughts, actions aligned. Words, thoughts, actions alignment. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because it's one thing to be honest, but you have to have pure intent. Mm. So the person across from you, like it's like that feeling, you know, when someone talks to you 
and they're just waiting for you to finish so they can say what like they have to say and the context mm -hmm. even though what they said is very powerful very articulate like martin luther king said it if it's badly timed uh, and it's not relevant to what the person is saying it doesn't work Mm. So it's one of the most powerful ways to be interesting is to be interested. Mm -hmm. And that's congruence. It's about being aligned and present to the moment and accepting who you are. So 18 and I, I had no idea where to go or what to do. So I ended up studying veterinary science because I was quite good at sciences. And then I went to veterinary science, uh, like went to all the classes and I realized I'm horrible without structure or routine. Mm. and I just crumbled and I like I, I didn't go to the exams in the end and then I was just ashamed because I was dealing with the chip on the shoulder that my mum obviously uh, literally tried to push into me and then not living up to that expectation mm. so I got real down I was like sleeping till like five five at night I like I'd wake up that's when I'd wake up like 5 p.m and just on a normal weekday and um, eventually uh, I, I pulled myself out of it and that, that started getting me thinking about how the mind works and how, um, why people do what they do. Cause they call psychologists, they call them wounded healers. And wounded I, healers. Yeah. Wounded okay. healers. I like it. Cause it, it, it's either they, um, they have trauma of experience that around them and they want to help or internally they have this conflict. Uh -huh. So we talk about hardship and the challenges we face in life. Mine were pretty, pretty minor. Um, but what they give you is the most powerful tool you can have is empathy. Because uh. EQ, your ability to understand where a person is in a conversation or in life and what they need to hear is a very, very useful tool. And although hardship gives you a, a few insecurities and challenges, it, it also gives you that empathy. So it's not something you want to lose. So then I started being fascinated what people do, why they do what they do. So then I just went off on my own and I traveled around Australia and ended up, uh, yeah, living in a tent for a year and a half. And I, there's a lot of periods where, um, I was living off $10 a week on food, which sounds bizarre now. Cause I spend that like, yeah, no, I don't know a meal that's less than 10. So it's like, it's a yeah. complete difference. Yeah. So you, we got like, and also needless to say that you are now living in, in you are talking to me from the four walls you live in which by the way, it's, what time is it? You're in New Zealand, I'm in the US. It's 1.50 a.m. here. How, what, what time it is, is it over there? Seven. Seven p.m. the day, yeah, you're, you're, you're ahead of me. Do you wanna, yeah, you're in I'll the, tell you what the lottery yeah. is, bro. You got a lottery? Yeah, but you were saying, sorry. No, I, I was just, sorry. I was going <laughs> on, a, on a really unnecessary <laughs> time. <laughs> Keep going, keep going. It was a little breather. Now let's get back to it, baby. Let's yeah, get back to your story. <laughs> Find your wool so No, but but you were living. Uh, um, I feel that was. Would you say that these uh, the the time in the tent was that your lowest low? 
Um, I would actually say a year ago, funnily enough, but it wasn't really? the most valuable. Yeah. A year and a half ago, the tent, the tent was challenging. It was strange. Like materialistically you'd think it was hard, but it was very, very easy, very in sync. And it was, it was fine. Um, I think the biggest, my, the two things that hold me back and I've realized with self-awareness that, um, causes my, uh, discontentment is, um, purpose. If I don't feel like I'm working towards my aspirations, I feel that cliff that 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 distance and the other thing is relationships so like with my family i'm very independent and we talk to each other every couple months and it's not a big deal um but with relationships i'm with a when someone i let go and immerse myself with and fall in love with um i can get it can be quite hard because mm -hmm. uh prior to leaving australia i met a girl and i was actually a garbage man back then <laughs> I didn't even use gloves. It was disgusting. I was <laughs> she, I, I had this. <laughs> I didn't know you were garbage, man. Damn. Yeah. Okay. That's hilarious. Okay. Yeah. So I'm this garbage man and I come back stinking and like, I'd only just moved into my own like sort of flat. And I, I even had this old bed from when I was a kid and I used to wet the bed like a little back a while back when I was in my teens, which wasn't the, my favorite part of my life, but, um, <laughs> may, I may I rest in piss. So I had this, <laughs> so I had this urine soaked bed and I worked as a garbage man and I somehow met this teacher and she was beautiful, lovely, amazing girl. Like she was the youngest teacher or youngest person to become a qualified teacher in the region. And um, she was also, um, she soon became like, a, had a leadership role in what she was doing and started, like she got pay rises every five months sort of thing. It was crazy. And she's just with this dude that's like a garbage man, like sitting in urine. Uh, she'd like the bed, like had clear stains on him. I had like wow. two sheets and a blanket. Crazy. And yeah, she loved me and I loved him. And, um, and that's the thing I talk about, like whatever point you are in your life, like no matter how much you have or how little you have, if you own who you are, people gravitate towards you regardless. And for whatever reason, she saw something in me. And, um, then I realized like, Hey, um, I'm not ready for a serious thing like this. I was 22. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to get out there and I needed to find out my purpose. And I didn't know. And I was 22 and I was like, ah. Oh, I can't wait any longer. So I left and I broke up with her and it was horrible. Like it, she was, I, I still think she's a love of my life. Like, and, um, and so I said to her, look, I can't be with you. I don't want you to wait for me to try and work out what I need to do. So we parted ways. And the reason you say was at the lowest time, the tent, it was at low points because every time I wasn't going towards what I wanted in life, I would think, well, why aren't you with her? Like, why are you not together if, if you're just going to bum around? Mm. So then eventually I think, yeah, you decided, oh, mate, we've got to do something. Let's go for a, a mission. It was after I was working at Abra Kebabra, name drop, go get the best kebabs in Byron Bay. I used mm. to work there. If it still exists. <laughs> I, I wonder. 
It would have to be, bro. I've heard okay. of like every time I say abracadabra. Shout out to Kababa, Kababa, what? It's where the magic happens. That's where the worst employers in town lie. <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't. Yeah, I don't want to say anything negative. They, they'll come. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> I didn't say anything negative. I just put things as it is, objectively. <laughs> um, anyway you get free kebabs if you work there illegally it's perfect yeah man it's right it's just so perfect um right. who needs money when uh, you got cheese right when you when you anyway <laughs> so after working uh in abracababra um me and you went uh on uh a hitchhiking trip <laughs> in which you know we've had we've had um and the first i think one of the first nights was in um we were driving oh so one of the first night uh, nights was we obviously didn't know where we were gonna sleep at at uh, any night which yep. was funny enough Code um, and it was it was testing our friendship um me and Ryan went um, and we hitchhiked the fuck out of Australia. I'll just give you that. We hitchhiked and we didn't, you know, we, we were just reckless people. We actually took a ride with somebody from Noosa um, to, we didn't know where the fuck it was. We were just like going north um, <laughs> with this dude, the only dude who would take us. Um, and he was, we were kind of smelling, smelling funny smells from his car. And um, along the way, I see like uh, between my, my, <laughs> between my feet, I see uh, a six pack of, uh, what was it? I, I can't remember, like whiskey with, uh, whiskey with Coke. I forgot yeah, the name. Yeah. Jim Bean? Yeah, it oh, was Jim Bean. Jim Bean. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and, <laughs> and then I see like that he's carrying one. And he's like, you want one? And we, me and, me and you look at each other and we're like, you know, like, that's, we are while in Rome, you know, while in Rome, just, and so we drank with that guy in his car um, before, and then, uh, yeah, and, and, and then we went up to, we went up to uh, Cranes, crazy, crazy stories along the way. Um, but then from there, I le like what happened was I left and then we never saw each other again. So that was the time when we were kind of co communicating from afar always. Um, and I want you like to, because I, I, I heard the story in, you know, in briefs and you were, we were kind of talking along the way having our conversations but i want to know like where did you feel in this pattern was your most like was was the most of your resistance so what did you have to go through like what did you feel like there was a breakthrough point where you were like okay i'm comfortable i know i'm going the right way or was it always uh, in 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 a disorganized manner, you were just going from one thing to the other. Because from one place, I know I remember that you just started 
uh, um, you, you started getting into sales right after uh, like a year after I left or half a year after I left, you started getting into sales, you kept getting promotions um, and you end up being their best. Uh, they fly you around all the time and um, and that's that becomes what you do and it becomes a part of your personality. So I want to know kind of where that happened. If you feel like there was a point that it happened to you and if there was, when was it and what, what did it, what did it feel like? What did it take you to get there to go yeah. through this resistance? Yeah, I, I can think of a specific point. It's, it's crazy. When you start flowing, you realize how many things have happened in your journey. So I don't, I don't think we're going to have lack of content on our podcast. It's going to be fun. Right. But, 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 uh, okay. So I, I want to ask you, um, what, what personality trait did you need to give up to get to the point that you are now? What, what is the main thing that you had to drop? Cause you are still like, you are still Ryan. You know what I mean? You are still the same person. I know, uh, uh, um, like we have the same exact conversation, but something in you switched. Yeah. And I know that for facts. Um, it seems like something in your priorities change, something in your, in the way you look at things change. So what I'm asking first is what personality trait did you need to drop to get to where uh, you are now? A word that, that comes to mind to me is intent. So for me, I've always been this potential, like I could do really well, but I never um, commit to it and have intent. Um, because then if I do and I fail, then I'll admit to myself, I am, I'm not good enough. And that chip on my shoulder is real. And there was, um, a specific moment. So I had $20, um, left. I had something like four nights of accommodation and I had a bit of food from the free shelf because hostels had free shelves you can make the most of. And I remember when I did veterinary science, um, that one year I said, um, well, I'm going to, I'll pay for this. And mom says, well, I'd love to contribute. If you do it, I'll contribute and I'll pay for it, which is nice. You know, first world, first world help. Um, but then she never gave it to me. She just said, I'll use it as a fail safe when you need it. And I'd gone years on my own and I, I decided I actually need it now, but I didn't want to ask for it. I didn't want to hand out. So I, I sat down and made a clear vision of what I wanted to do. Um, where I want to go and how I want to do that. That was in Australia. Yeah, Cairns. Okay. That and, you were still you were living out of the tent then. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Cool. Yeah, so I sat down this plan and I realized no matter where I go in my life or no matter how down I feel, there's always a point where someone starts talking about their issues and where they are, and I can help in some way. I just I come alive. I wake up. So instead of looking at a career and trying to mold that into what I wanted, I started to think, what am I good at and what do I enjoy? And I love looking at why yeah. people do what they do. So I right. sat down, I wrote this and then it was a big long thing and I was in a real bad place financially. I like, I probably would have been on the street and then um, she read it and she said, this is a very hard decision for me, Ryan, but I'm going to have to say no. So I was like, oh, okay, what do I do now? 
So I, I used, um, I think, a couple dollars to get a tie. And I had one decent shirt. And then I realized my biggest fear at, at that time was to try and talk to people with an intent. Because when I was 12 years old, I went to ask a girl to dance. She said no, pushed me over, and I fell in front of all my friends, and they all laughed at me. And um, subconsciously, that made me always fearful of like going up to someone trying to get something or trying to meet a girl and get to know more about her. So it was always this big fear. So yeah. I've, the, the thing I wanted to create was a business helping people achieve emotional success, but I needed credibility because it's not what you say. Um, it's more who you are. It's who you are that says it. So I realized these are the stepping stones I need to get. So I had the credibility and know how to help someone in that business context in the future. So I said, okay, what's the hardest thing with my fear with intent would be sales. And not only any sales, commission only. Commission only selling, so I have to do it. Otherwise, I'm stuffed. So I find this place, I walk in, I've got my one tie that costs $2. I got it from an op shop and I had my shirt, I made it ironed. And then um, I did my research on who was going to interview me. I did a psychological profile of what they want to hear and who they need and just pretended to be the person, even though I, I knew I couldn't do it. So I just I go and I pretend to be this confident guy and like, yeah, yeah. And then I say what he wants to hear and then I end up getting the job. And I remember my first day, I'm like, oh, okay, I've got it. Now, how am I going to do this? <laughs> and um, we, we had to sell a product where you stop people in the shopping center. So those annoying guys. Um, and then create a connection. And then you got to end up with your credit card details, their full name, their date of birth, where the address is, just from your ability to create a connection. And mm -hmm. sometimes you're outside like a outside a, a building at like 7 p.m. at night, you got this shit, like really bad table and like this shirt that's like a polo. And this is so supposedly credibility. And then you still got to cry and create that to make money. So I remember my first day, I made all these like intricate notes and thought hard about how I'm going to do it. Because I, I always, yeah, I always overanalyze and overthink. And then I feel like in planning, you need a bit of worry and concern, but in execution, you need no you need no emotion. You just need presence. So I plan, I plan and obsess and overthink. And then when it comes to game time, then there's no place for it. But I hadn't been able to learn that skill yet. So I went in and they told me when you, when you need to meet someone and sell them a product, you need to create rapport and create a connection because people obviously won't buy from you if they don't like you. Yeah. So I was like, okay, build a relationship, build rapport. So it's in my head. And I was like, oh, well, I'll just go and shake their hand. That, that's, that's a good start. So I stopped this old guy in the shopping center and I said, hey, um, how you going? And I go to shake his hand. And then because I was in full stress zone, because I was doing my fear, it's like shaking hands with a spider, like a big ass spider that you need to like shake its hand. Otherwise, you don't have food for rent. Uh, money for rent <laughs> yeah if only you could barter food for rent that'd be pretty good but um so i go to shake his hand he's showing he's holding these um shopping bags um but his thumb's sticking out <laughs> so, so i shake his thumb and um yeah and he says what are you doing i said oh trying to build a relationship so it was a slow start i didn't <laughs> took me a while to work out the sales and then yeah as you say i, I started 
uh, getting good at it. Um, and then all the top performers, they, they fly them to four star hotels and you have these big dinners with 2000 to 3000 of the top uh, people in the country. And then, uh, yeah, it was just built from that fear. And then I, I started training and teaching people and recruiting them and, and developing a team. And then I was second in charge with the boss and to the point where I had to make a choice and I had to leave. Um, and um, she decided that she was going to end it too. But I came back from a holiday and it was just me. And she had to leave. And I asked if I could still run the company while she was gone and with my team because they still needed to make money before they left. So we ended up going from this guy that was shaking a thumb to be able to run the, the company yourself and generate all the leads and all, all, all the sales and keep the team motivated. Um, and yeah, he, he top performed. Uh, the guy on the team was the top performer of the country the last two weeks before you finished it so and that's out of a hundred offices and i don't know four or five thousand people okay so would you say that um the main resistance was kind of fear of rejection um it's admitting that if i actually commit to it and fail then i really am not good enough if i don't try then i can always say hey you didn't try, so it's all good. You're mm -hmm. still okay. Yeah, but it, that comes, that totally, you know, is in contrast with with what Michael Jordan said. Like, you know, you can't, uh, um, you always miss a shot you don't take. Mm. Uh, God damn. Okay. So from there, you you lead a team in Australia and... So what's your next grind after you're like, you get to the kind of the top and where you are in, in Australia, what's your next grind? What's your next uh, um, concern? You know, because we always look kind of to towards the next um, towards like our next challenge, our next big thing, our next, you know, thing we want to become. What, um, what was the grind then? The grind of the next thing after I realized I could do that. Um, well, it, we could fast forward to today. There, there's things in the, in the middle there that I, I was sort of trying to catch back up on what I had because there was a, a big struggle in the middle there because um, we left the country and, uh, with my girlfriend at the time. So um, the next grind to me was like, well, hey, you, you're content and happy with who you are now. You can um, you, you can connect with people. You can create something out of nothing. So you you've really faced that fear. So the, the value's lacking in that prospect. So I started thinking. What do you mean? Well, you you uh, see it like steps. So say you want to be a basketball player. You got to learn how to. Uh, you got to work on your, 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 your fundamentals first and your fundamentals, you know, triple threat, the way you, your defense, defensive stance, how you move through the court, how you read the play. And then once you've achieved that step, you got to go the next, next step. And for me, sales was, um, sales wasn't giving me the, the next step. It was giving me income. And it gave me structure because I need that because I realized I need structure and routine after university. So I thought, okay, well, 
I want to run a business helping people achieve emotional success. I'm not the man that someone should model right now. So why don't I just surround myself with people that are in that grind? Mm. So that's what I did. So I started uh, organizing events and um, I had no idea what I was doing. And I read in a book, uh, a lot of books, they're, they're 200 pages, but they have three points. <laughs> so the main point I got from one book, I can't shout it out because I can't remember the name, but it was start small, start now. So you don't know. Um, we always think like, how are we going to do it? Um, how's it going to work? And as I say, I mean, just start it and stumble your way through. Just see what happens. Just make sure the consequences aren't too great. So I, I started thinking, well, hey, I want to build this this company. So why don't I just practice while I'm earning an income? So I have a normal normal job. Uh, selling insurance and then um, I started organizing these events and I had no idea what I was doing I didn't know how to market it I don't know how to get people to come I didn't even know how to get speakers so I just um, I advertised on Facebook I look, worked out how the algorithms work and and how you can actually target specific audience it's kind of scary like how much they know about you and how well you can target the people you want and the, the first event I had all these people and then I had no speakers. So I was like, all these people who, what are they going to come to? And I kept procrastinating because that fear's still there. I have to manage it of going and talking with an intent. So eventually I just, um, did no planning. I just, uh, I started calling the company, uh, the, um, the event meaningful money making. So I needed to find a, an investment, uh, investment company that would have a, a speaker that could give advice. So I, I was like, oh, okay. So I just looked them up, walked in the door. First door I walk in, they said, look, we're, we're something called a registered financial advisor. We can only give general advice. We can't do it. I'm like, okay. Next one, she's really excited, but she's the wrong person. Because I procrastinated, left it to the last day. Like, like the last like yeah. part of the night is like five o'clock. And I just I'll just try this one. And I walk in. And the receptionist like, hey, can can I can I help you? And I had no plan, I had no no idea what to say, so I just said something. And she's like, oh, okay, well, um, the the event you've got is actually for um younger people. We actually deal with people that are retiring. So straight away, you're like, oh, well, this isn't going well. But she's like, you can wait there if you want. I mean, he may come in and he may like it, I guess, but probably not. So so that's what she said. So I'm just sitting there like, oh, well, this is just a waste of time, but it's the same thing as I say, like over, over, over worry, overthink, overanalyze in preparation, but in execution, just let it go. Be present. That's like, that's like, uh, as well, as well as what you said, did you finish or do you have more? You can keep going, bro. No, because like to what you're saying is, um, is the thing I told you, I think like a few days before you did that was, just fucking show your face, right? Yeah. Like people, you've been cultivating this skill, this skill you're talking about, this skill that you are, you've mastered by now. Um, there's always new places to go, you know, and there's always new mountains to uh, uh, conquer. But 
you, the thing I, I was telling you before is just fucking show your face because people are so caught up in targeting and marketing and all that because in the end of the day, you invite a thousand people on Facebook, uh, 2000 attend, and then you see 40. Um, so that's mm. like when you, when, you, when you go up to these people, then they buy into you, you know? They, they won't just buy into something, somebody that is not uh, um, uh, tangible and that doesn't, uh, uh, they don't see their value. Through a screen, we don't necessarily see your value, but then when you're there, you're coming in, you're showing up, you're saying, yo, this is what I am. This is what I got. That's when the, the magic, that's when you, where you stick out. Mm. And there's no way to forget that. Right. Like I I feel like that was, that was to, to me, it was so obvious that that's what you needed to do. Just like, just go and show them what you've been doing. So prolifically and, and, you know, and okay, so keep going. So what happened? You enter his office <laughs> yeah he comes in right yeah yeah so he comes in and i shake his hand he looks confused i'm confused i don't know what i'm saying he doesn't know what i need to say but the best thing about that is people don't know how many times you've failed in the prior ones or how many times you failed in your head so just no don't muck up that one and you're fine so i sit down to them and he starts telling me how he's like a board member on uh, on the council of my main city and then um also uh he's he's got this crazy backstory and I did research later and he was in charge of like 90 to a hundred million dollars of, of capital. And he, he, um, he gets a 1% portfolio fee and he's just talking to some, some dude that walked into his office. Like you think, I think the more money you make is based on, well, how much money you make is based on how big a problem you solve. Mm. So you imagine this guy, earning 900,000 to a million a year just from a portfolio fee is how busy he would be and how stressful his life would be. Mm. And he's just talking to me. So like, he's this important dude. And I'm telling him about this event that I had no idea. And I just put on Facebook and I said, yeah, 80, 80 people, 80 people might come. He's like, yeah, most people don't when you do it that way. But he's like, interesting. And there was, I had no, no, not, no value for his company because he sells to old people, like people retired. He's, his his um, quote is, um, don't, uh, don't run out of money before you run out of life. Wow. Imagine trying to pitch that to a 20-year-old because that's the market wow. I, I, I uh, got to come. So he's got no gain. So I just talked to him and then um, he says, okay, I'll, I'll come do the speech. Oh, wow. Okay. I was just thrown by that. And so he did the speech and then I was trying to get another speaker and I kept procrastinating again. And then it was like one day before the, um, the event. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to find anyone. I know some things about influence and psychology and, and sales. So I'll just do a speech and it has to be like, it had to be 30 minutes to 45 minutes speech. And I had nothing. I didn't, I had no plan on how to do that. So I, I just thought of a, a general idea of points I want to hit on. And then I ended up doing a, a 40, 40 minute speech and like the audience was kept, like, they were listening, they were laughing, they were clapping. And then afterwards I actually got offered a job from that speech that I made up like the day before. Yeah. 
And the guy's like, oh, well, my sales team needs help and guidance and they're not closing that well. How much do you charge? And I was like, I don't know. I just thought in my head, uh, yeah, 50 an hour. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, well, that, that, that sounds worth it um, for my business. I mean, it's an investment uh, for the future. And that's just from a speech I made up in the morning. So now we've got all these random people that came and it was a horrible event. Like it was freezing because I didn't know how to put the, turn the heaters on. So everyone's like shaking with purple hands listening to this, this old dude talk about money and me, me talking about a speech I just made up in the morning. And then in his speech, he actually says, um, life's too short not to enjoy good wine. And he was talking about, sure, you want to save, you want to think to the future, but every, every moment today is a moment you won't have again. And he talked about his journey with his wife. He had everything. He was happy. And then she was dying of cancer. And he, he, he embodied that by saying, life's too short not to enjoy good wine. It was just a, a metaphor for enjoying what we have now. We always pursue this money, this materialistic attainment, but... We forget to enjoy the good wine. And then, um, so I remember that and I don't drink anymore. Four years now. I've gone drunk four times in four years. And um, so I remember what he said about wine. So I went and tried to buy a bottle of wine and I didn't know what was a good wine. So I just brought what my mum used to drink. So I sent it to him and then the next day... um, a few days later, actually, he gives us a call and he says, look, I'd like to meet you and meet up with you again. I appreciate the gift. And then we just sit in this conversation for like an hour and he just starts painting this picture of how um, his son's not interested in running the business and taking over. Mm. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, thank you for sharing that information. I'm, what's the point of this? I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm fascinated by you. You're a great guy, but is there are you trying to go somewhere with this? And then he started saying, um, well, have you ever considered about doing this line of work? Mm. And then next, next moment, and then he's talking about a job and he says, look, I can mentor you in the mornings. You can sit in on my clients. And some of his clients have a $1.4 million investment and he's willing to have me sit in on some of these clients. Mm. And then he also said, look, you need this qualification to do it. I'll pay for it. So he says, look, I'll mentor you in the mornings. Keep the job you've got. Next year, I'll give you a salary and a retainer when you're qualified. And then we can build up your own portfolio and I'll show you how to do what I do. And that was just from, as you say, a call from you saying, go meet them in in person. And, And just taking that time and being genuine and congruent with who you are and listening to them and showing appreciation for who they are. Like that subtle bottle of wine, if I hadn't have done that, this might not have happened at all. Right. Right. Uh, I, does this, uh, I actually had I need, um, somebody else I had on the podcast uh, is a mentor of mine, which the way that I created a really tight bond with him was I sent him a book. I sent him a thank you book uh, just because for not like literally for the new year, I just sent him this cute book, like a child book. <laughs> a thank you book that is just about these weird ass animals that like in different ways of saying thank you or something like that. I don't, don't remember exactly what it was, but I was just like, thank you. That was genuine, you know, and, and doing something and bringing somebody 
uh, 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 it sounds it sounds cheesy, but giving somebody a uh, uh, um, a wine that your mother used to have because you and you knew it's good is something that is also very personal and personable. So you you just like you know without knowing, I feel, but it's something that everyone should take. Like to create a real report with somebody, there needs to be something on the line that is more than uh, um, an email saying thank you. Cause that doesn't count like a physical thing that sits in your office and you look at it, you're like, oh my God, this motherfucker thought, thought about me, mm. really thought about me. So, um, props for that, man. I, I love this action and I'm an, a big advocate of that. And, um, what you also said that I feel like a lot of, uh, um, I don't know if there's a lot of rant and ramble about, but, but you know, like the people you surround yourself need to know to, to read your situation. That's something I, I feel like not not enough people understand like you can be surrounding yourself with amazing people who are who cannot understand or relate or be compassionate about the situation you're in um but with that situation we were in it was so obvious you know it was so obvious to to me to just tell you because i i see you you know what i mean like we we see each other grow and we see each other do things so so we encourage each other to do stuff. Um, and with, with you and me in, when we were, when we were back in Byron fucking broke, you were, you were the one who, who was like, yeah, go fucking do it. What the fuck are you waiting for? And, and probably I wouldn't have gone doing it without you telling me to go and do it. And just a little backstory. I was hella scared <laughs> I came to Australia because I wanted to do street performing. Um, and one day Ryan heard me do my thing and he was like, bro, you, you need to do something with it. Let's, uh, and, and I told you about it. You just kept me accountable for it because you knew that's what I wanted. And, I, and, and from my side, I knew that you wanted to, uh, um, to have a good, a good event and to have something that is more than just you speaking and, and to make it meaningful for others, uh, like the point you were stuck in that you didn't know what to do and help other people with it anyway. So I think that is very overlooked. Like the fact of just connecting yourself to people who relates, who can relate and listen to your situation and then fucking roast the shit out of you. And tell you, and tell you, and, and tell you, yo, like, wake the hell up, go to the streets and perform, because that's what you'll make the living of. We didn't know, but that's what I made my living of in the next what more than six months, probably, like, right? I and and it was crazy. Again, I'm I'm taking it. We'll take it back to you in a second. But I'm just <laughs> saying, I made three hundred dollars sometimes. In less than three hours, that's crazy. <laughs> that's unheard of to me. Yeah, uh, and and that was that was kind of mind mind blowing for me, I guess, in some way. And I had to give up a lot of ego that says, "Oh, I know everything that's going on with me. 
I uh, will, will just take this and this and this path that nobody ever guided me to or whatever. So I'm just saying, uh, I feel like it's very, very, very important. And the your story is a crazy reflection of it. Like it's a crazy, uh, uh, um, it's a crazy roller coaster of, of intent uh, in the end of the day. Now, something that popped in my mind as you were speaking was your um, basketball, the basketball. Mm. And it seems like basketball has been a, a, a part of who you are in a way. So I want to know what was, what in the basketball field, like field of this, like the general field of basketball, how did it shape you as a person? Because it seems like you were hustling as a basketball, you know, you were as a, as a basketball player. You were just like, you were grinding it and you were uh, uh, hot on yourself. What do you feel like your routine today in your, uh, uh, the Ryan of today has to do with the training you got from basketball? Well, it actually transferred into the core values uh, when I was running a team. Um, like, uh, there's a few things. One, one I didn't realize at the time, but basketball was a form of meditation. Mm -hmm. So people people get caught up in this. Oh, yeah, you got to sit down and have a kumbaya session and listen to your breath, and then you'll connect with the universe. But all meditation is is just an external focus to quiet your mind. And that was something I got from basketball and didn't realize was where I just felt at ease and I felt content. Um, but resilience is a big thing. But the core values are for the team. Just a couple from memory was. Um, Practice how you play. So what that means is basically when you're when the game time pressure isn't on you, when you're not expected to win and you're just in a practice with yourself or with your team, play it like it's the game. So it's the same thing with like a sales pitch. If you if you are hoping to prepare before you go out in the field and meet people and try sell practice with real real intent and real situations so like we'd pretend to be characters uh, like a, a mom with screaming children or like a, a really and rush businessman and then we had to adapt and tailor it to them so practice how you play there's no point in immersing yourself in bettering a skill set and not making it realistic like why practice if you're not going to do it properly mm. so practice how you play and the other thing is leave it all on the floor so um, there was a moment where in basketball i um i jumped up and i landed funny and twisted my ankle and um it was really painful so i just i slid off the the floor like using my hands and subbed out and um i i, I hate losing when it's other people involved when i have a team that i'm a part of I don't mind if it's me so much, but like if there's someone that relies on me, I'm not going to let them down. So I remember going off and then we started losing. It was the third quarter. And then um, it was really painful. I kept walking on it. And I'm like, ah, oh, I'll just go back on. Who cares? So I go back on the fourth quarter and um, I play and I'm sort of hopping on one leg, make a few good shots and then a few defensive plays and we end up winning. 
go. So we're down by six. And then in the last quarter, we won by four. And um, I didn't find out later, but uh, until later when I got an x-ray, because uh, when the adrenaline came off, I actually broke in my leg. So um, the, when, when the game had finished, I had to drive home and I'd broken my, um, was it my left leg? I think. Either way, uh, yeah, I must have been because I was using the clutch. Yeah. No, yeah. No, no. So, I, yeah, I broke my, um, uh, yeah, I can't remember. It was one of them. I think it was, yeah, either or. But I broke my leg. Clutch push is harder. Yeah. So, I had the accelerator. is on the right. I've been driving an automatic for a while. People don't judge me. Yeah. So, the clutch was to change the gear. So, every time I changed the gear, I was using my broken leg. And there's no adrenaline left. And I was, it was a manual. I couldn't get like, I couldn't wow. get home. So I eventually got home and I was using a broomstick to walk around. And my sister's a nurse and she's like, oh, I think you should get an x-ray. And yeah, I broke my leg. So I played on a broken leg. And that, that, that's the core value of the team was leave it all on the floor. Leave all, like, give everything you can in that moment. And that way, once it's done as well, we don't talk about work. We don't think about work. It's done. We don't think about the court. You do everything you can in that moment so you can go home with peace. So that And competition would be the biggest thing. Because people always talk about socialism, like trying to help others, and I'm all for it. But the reality is, I mean, there's no altruistic act. Mm. There's always a, a self part in it. So like you want to help your friend, well, you get a good feeling from that. Or you get some benefit of having a good friend in the future that could help you later. Like there's always something that you benefit. Mm-hmm. So competition is very real. So learn to enjoy it. Don't don't see when you're in a competitive market or you're against some really great people. Don't see that as a a bad thing. See that as a as a challenge, something exciting, a measure. But mm-hmm. when you go home, leave it all on the floor. Don't measure yourself to another person's standard. You only want to be better than who you were yesterday. Cause there's always someone better than you, but yeah, competition, leave it all on the floor, practice how you play. Damn. Shit. <laughs> I remember when, I remember when you, um, he was so scared Roy was of, um, going out and playing and he's incredible guitarist and, and great vocalist. And, um, I remember you, we had to get a box. I don't know. We didn't have to, but I was trying to be creative to try and like see if we can get through this stage fright or this like. Uh... So I got your box and I wrote on it. Was I it said, a Bud Light? Was it a Bud Light box? It was probably a beer box, knowing the hostels yeah. we were in. And um, I wrote on it, uh, "Needs money for face reconstruction." <laughs> that was hilarious. That's exactly what we wrote. And then this chick came in and gave me five dollars, and that was the probably like the the best, the best moment. <laughs> the best that that was the enlightening moment of of like, dude, I can make money out of this. How did you get and people are stupid enough to give me five dollars <laughs> for for doing this shit? But 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 it goes back to intent, you know. I want to do. I want to make money for my craft. So I'm going to go through the steps and I'm going to start little. Um, and that's, that's crazy. Um, I want to get back to 
what you were saying about um, leave it all on the floor. I feel it's so important because, um, you know, as, as they stay uh, with bodybuilders or whatever, or, or whoever's building muscle, people, what they do with their muscle is, is muscle fatigue. So they, they, they rip all their muscle tissue or whatever happens there when they're working out. But then all the reconstruction and all that happens in rest, happens when they sleep, when growth hormone kicks in and all that. Uh, it doesn't matter if you eat perfect, if you don't sleep well, then, then it's all down to shit. And, and that's what athletes know so well. And a lot of them sleep more than nine hours a night, at least nine hours a night, as far as I know. Um, but that's exactly the thing. Like they go, they practice, they give it their all. And then after the practice, they don't like it's 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 over there it's back there they've done the strategizing they've done all that there is no place for that when you come home to your wife to your uh, loved one to your loved ones and i'm i'm a big sinner of that i got to i i got to put it uh like that because i got to um uh admit because you know art and music and all that isn't a very stable uh, 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 lifestyle to choose and uh, and it lingers to to other moments of the day because you sometimes find find yourself going out and talking about your music you know so it's it's never like there's never a time frame where you are uh, uh, you are given you are given to talk about this but it really sheds a light to me on you know, doing your thing and then after it, like doing things that are other, that are, that are uh, um, not that exact thing and that kind of gets you into a different mind space so you can build your muscle in whatever you are doing. And if you talk about it, it has to be in a very, uh, uh, I don't want to say disconnected, but unconnected way. So you are, you are unplugged from the whole work and the whole grind and the whole day you've been through because your grind muscle just builds up. If you, and if you think about it all the time, then you're going to get muscle fatigue and then you're going to just like get your ligaments fuck up, fucked up and all that. But you can, it, that shit can happen in your brain as well. And I feel like I'm definitely taking that. And I'm after this uh, talk, I'll probably think, contemplate about that because it's something that I've been uh, um, sinning with doing. Um, okay, so I got a, I got a question. Is there, um, was there a person along the way that you, uh, uh, tied yourself to was there a type of person that you needed to tie yourself to to make all this change to to get into these healthy habits and that will lead me to the next question like what is a habit that you've cultivated um that uh that anyone could could do it uh what's a habit that you got and what inspired you like what person that you 
had in your life and what's a person who's a what's who's a person that you wouldn't have been able to do it without um yeah when you were saying that i was trying to think if there was like someone in, in a corporation or a friend or but it always stands back to my mum. like the the value she holds is compassion for others uh you can't beat a work ethic at all like an example was um we go tramping and she's she's in her 50s and she's uh she she says to me she says um you want to make sure your pack's heavy enough so that your shoulders go numb. That's that. <laughs> so she's like 25 kilo pack. We're going on an 80 kilometer walk. And she's this, this old lady. With but just just, uh, um, just uh, FYI, your mother, your mother's a badass. Like I met her. She's a <laughs> badass. She is. She is what you say she is exactly. And, and I know she's much more. Keep going. Yeah. So, yeah, hard work, compassion. Like she's always like, you, you, you're probably not going to be the prettiest. You're probably not going to be the smartest, but you can be the one that, that works the hardest. And, um, like for, and, and her ability to reinvent herself at any stage. Like she is an agricultural scientist. She had a PhD. She's smart. That she. She was so specialized that there's people that couldn't even do what she was doing. That's why she was traveling around. So I said she went there to work with goats, but I just adds a bit of humor to the story. It was more to it. But um, then in her 50s, she decided, okay, I've done this career for 20 years. I've always wanted to be a farmer. Okay, I'm going to go be a farmer. Hmm. And her fifth, like, she's wearing a way. She can't even walk downhill. Like, <laughs> but she still goes on these massive walks. And um, she she needed a sheepdog, and we had a pet house pet. It was eight years living in a house. I used to cuddle it in bed, like when I was a kid. And um, she's like, "Oh yeah, I'll train it to be a sheepdog." So I remember she she walked in to meet this farmer, and um, he met her, and he's like, "You really want to do this?" I mean, like talking about her being older and being a lady, and then. Then she gets the dog out and then tells him that, yeah, it's a house, house pet. And he's like, oh, that sounds about right. So they all doubted it. And then she trained it in this amazing sheepdog. And then um, she worked for free for like a year, learning the skill, almost two years. That's dedication. And then um, she ended up working on one of the biggest farms in New Zealand, um, uh, helping out there, like, or, like doing stock. Uh, moving the stock around and then also doing the, the the science to it as well so from her so the the habit i got from her would be um is it's not too late it's never too late so you can push away what you want in life is you, you gotta you gotta see like there's no tomorrow when you execute and get it done but don't think if you're 60 50 85 15 if you haven't done your dream yet it's not too late so hope but what changed the habit was once i had intent was that work ethic came back mm. and i as soon as i have team and someone relying on me like i was working 70 hours a week when i was doing commission only management and i wasn't getting paid on that i was just doing that because i i, I loved it and i wanted to do the best for the people i had so mm. i would say mum was a big turning point or well, mum was a big uh, role model for me and the turning point was just choose it, choose something, see what happens.
choose something, see what happens. Okay. Yeah, because that was my biggest thing. I'd always had the skill. I always had the, the talent. But every time it came close to success, I'd find a way out. Mm. Because if I fully commit and fail, then I'm just that loser I thought I was. So having that intent, see what happens. And then you just find your feet. Don't think of a way out. Just think, this is what i got to do and deal with it. Yeah. That's what's up. <laughs> All right, my man. Um, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> good call. Getting sleepy. Yeah, it's a, it's a, good, it's a, it's a good point to end this, this shit. I'm, I, I've gotten goosebumps a few times, and I, I hope whoever will listen to this will also get them. Um, solid time, buddy. Solid times. And... <laughs> Yeah, and we we need to meet real soon. So, um, mm. yeah, man, let's 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 wrap it here, and I'm sure you'll be back. I'll be back. Got to get back with the listeners. You know those one people in uh, Uruguay. <laughs> yeah, mindful, mindful money. No, not mindful. Meaningful, my uh, meaningful uh, money making is where is your page, right? Corporate to monk. Um, the event's called Meaningful Money Making. Um, okay. Yeah, corporate Bal- monk is the group. Corporate to monk, number two. Corporate to monk. Yeah. Okay. So corporate to the number, and then, um, and then monk. Okay. And then uh, you'll probably have uh, an Instagram page and everything. We'll we'll get that rolling. Don't don't you worry, my friend. All right, my man. We're closing this bitch. Sounds good. See you, bro.